Dorks, the podcast by Geeks for Geeks. I'm your host, David Eagle. I have with me my co-host, Rev. Hey, what's up? And Jay's not here. He's out spearfishing, so hopefully he'll join us again next week. Uh, if you're with PETA, sorry about that. Fish gotta get spe- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that you spearfish at night. Like, I- I'm not even being... I'm not even joking. I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Who can say? Maybe he's lying. It's ineffable. <laughs> maybe he just wants to play World of Warcraft without feeling guilty. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true, but we all know from personal experience that that's impossible. Yes, that is true. Right. And we do know from personal experience that he does go fishing with his brother-in-law. And maybe sometimes there are spears involved. I would spearfish faster than I would fish with a line. Well, I mean, I think that, it, that episode of Bones discussed whether or not fishing was a sport. There you go. Is spearfishing a sport? I think anytime you get spears involved, uh, it, it definitely elevates the level of, of adrenaline and physical involvement, that's for sure. So anyway, welcome to episode 19. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this episode is going to feature a lot of coverage of CES 2010, and by a lot of, I mean really not that much. And that's why we're calling it the CES 2010 episode, although after this little conversation, I might have to call it the spearfishing episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, first we want to talk about what we've been up to this week, and obviously, um, that's what we always talk about first, so I'll go. Uh, I did see Sherlock Holmes, that was one of the things I did. I don't get to the movies very often, but I had the opportunity, so I went and saw it, and it was pretty fun, actually. I don't know if you're planning to see it. Um, you don't have to see it in the theaters, but if you have some movie passes from Christmas and you're in the mood, I would definitely recommend it. It's a good it's a good action movie in the vein of those kind of detective detective books from the uh 20s and 30s but with Sherlock Holmes kind of put in there. Um I'm sure you've all read detective novels from the 20s and 30s and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, you'll understand. It's got a great, great soundtrack. Uh, a lot of fun. I've been listening to that at work recently on uh, Rhapsody. And uh, I enjoyed it. So check that out. I also played some video games. I played World of Warcraft and uh, got some Alduar hard modes, which if you play World of Warcraft, you know what that means. And if you don't, you don't care. But I'm trying really hard to get the Drake before uh, it's a reward. I'm trying to get the proto-Drake before they take it out of the game, which will probably happen in the next patch. So... Um, shooting for that, and uh, let's see, what else did I do? I mean, I'm still reading Perdido Street Station. I put it down today, and I said, um, largely to myself, that I think it's it's one of the best books I've ever read. So I'll definitely pass that on to you once I'm done with it, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Not you, the podcast audience, but you, my co-host, Rev. I would not pass on one book to, like, the, the dozens of people that listen to this podcast. That would be... Have you ever received a book like that, that you know that you're, like, the tenth person that's received it? Uh, Not like a library book. I mean, library books (laughs) have the special covers and stuff, but... (laughs) Um, No, I haven't. I don't think so. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, I think it is It's not recommended. (laughs) It seems kind of gross. Um, So, that was basically my week. I didn't do a lot. I was was pretty busy, but... um... I don't know. What about you, sir? What did you get done? Uh, I think I talked about Dragon Age a little bit in the last podcast, and I'd have to say I'm really, really enjoying it. I am probably, well, I'm probably close to three-fourths of the way through. 
I'm not really sure how many hours I have, uh, although I could check pretty easily because they have an online interface that essentially tracks your progress, does their own little Bioware achievements, and apparently you can put all your Bioware games after it, including Dragon Age, into your little thingy, and it tracks them all for you, so that's kind of cool. Is it called Bioware Live? I don't think so. Mm, I think it's just called Bioware Community, and it's kind of oh social.bioware.com. That's cool. It's kind of cheesy, but it's cool that they're doing it. I mean, it's their it's their own little Valve almost. Right. Exactly. But it's neat. You can add your friends. It's really basic, but it it's neat. I think it's also the only way you can buy the downloadable content, which I actually tried to go buy and it wouldn't let me. I couldn't <laughs> figure out you, where to You find. tried to buy it from that site from social.bioware.com? Yeah, because in the game it has like a link to buy buy the DLC. Or you go to... It's stupid. Isn't There's it really the, poorly implemented, by the way? Well, the not poorly implemented. It's probably implemented in the best way to make money. <laughs> but you you finish like the first starting of the game and then you do a little bit of questing like you do there's like two small chapters your opening chapter and the first chapter to the main plot and as soon as you go the first time that you're at your own little camp center which is your little hub for everything there's this guy there with a quest just like any other normal quest and you go talk to him and he tells you about this awesome quest and everything, and it's all really, really interesting, and you're like, okay, let's go. And then it's all premium content. And so you've gone through, like, six dialogue questions, and... and <laughs> you've, you've established, like, a relationship with this guy. Yeah, and they're all, okay, now you have to buy it. So I went to go buy it, and it's all, oh, you don't have enough points. So I clicked to buy points, and I was brought to the social site I signed up, and I can't for the life of me find out where to buy points for my account. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like pretty good at the internet, right? So, Supposedly. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll ever buy those. Anyways, so <laughs> lots of lots of uh, bio for Dragon Age, and our guild went and took on the latest content in World of Warcraft, which was really fun. I have to say we we kind of. We're, we kind of got hung up on a few things. We had some issues with the, people's internet. Ugh, and that was, that was so annoying. I don't mind yeah. dying. I, and I, I, tr I try to mean that. I really don't. But when I just can't connect and it's, you know, taking hours of people's time. Yeah, exactly. Well, we, I guess, did the hard part and didn't really get the f chance to finish the easier parts, I guess, with the new content. Either yeah. way, it felt really good to two shots, something that people were having a really hard time with. It was very, it was very cool, yeah. And I think, um, a lot of it is a gear thing, but you know the choke points. Anyway, it, it yeah, it, it was very satisfying, definitely, I enjoyed it. So that's about it, I guess, with my Geeky Week, I kept it to, oh, actually, uh, I fired up my PlayStation. And the I 3? The PS3? Yes, the PS3. I didn't put in the game you bought me, Drake's Fortune, 
Did you put it in a Blu-ray DVD? No, I didn't watch a Blu-ray <laughs> this week. But what I did do is I downloaded the Mag Beta, which is like a shooter. Apparently, that's crazy hard. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you don't play Call of Duty Four. <laughs> I mean, all of the all the controls were essentially the same. It's like in the future-ish, but really, what it is, and I'm I'm furiously finding the Wikipedia page for this. Yeah, it's so it's not a standard. It's not just a modern day. It's not based on modern weapons. It's like futury tech, right? Ish. It's kind of like it's kind of like thirty years in the future, twenty. Thirty or less. I mean, it depends on what scale you you assume the human race is going to progress at. <laughs> some may say ten, some may say thirty. Either way, <laughs> it's stuff we don't got right now, and some stuff we do have. So essentially, what is interesting is that you level up kind of like you do in Call of Duty, but you get more like real stuff. And I believe it's all multiplayer, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm looking through. Yeah, it's all multiplayer. It's just to level up. It's kind of like that PC game a while back by Sony SOE. Um, what was that called? FPS MMO. Do you remember what it was called? No. SOE shouldn't make any more games. It's basically my, <laughs> my stance, so I try not to pay attention. Planet Side. Oh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of like Planet Side, uh, but more like a persistent Call of Duty 4. It was fun. It was certainly fun. It was a little bit difficult. I was in Call of Duty 4. I'm like mid mid range on the like list of my team. Um, if there's ten people, I'm like fifth, which is I don't know. I think an accomplishment for <laughs> someone that doesn't play Call of Duty all week. <laughs> yeah, but in Mag, I was on the bottom of the list, which I don't know. I didn't feel like I was doing great, but I only played like four rounds. And today so is the, the last day the beta is up, so I the had beta to... is online. Oh, well, obviously, it's going to be online play if it's a predominantly online game, right? Yeah, it's all all online. Okay, so it doesn't even have a single player campaign. Correct. It'll support up to apparently 256 players. Oh, right, but you have to unlock that, don't you? Yeah. Like, when I got in there, I was only able to play, like, the 8-on-8 eight eight or something like that. Which is still... I mean, that seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. You know, it was, like, Call of Duty plus Battlefield plus Persistent. Yeah, so. th those are interesting because, I mean, if you're playing with other people of approximately your rank it's not such a big deal but if you're playing with the you know that i think that was one of the issues with um was it battlefield 2 that had the ranking system and gun upgrades and stuff but uh call of duty well oh yeah battlefield 2 had that but yeah. everybody who was ranked up was playing the same games you know yeah that, yeah that's, that's true kind of i mean it's not they don't do it in such a way that it's impossible to compete but those people certainly have an edge, which is fine. That's what they deserve. But I'm not hardcore enough that I can I, I care to play past that curve. Yeah. Call of Duty kind of 
is not so bad with that. I've put maybe eight-ish hours in on the multiplayer, and I, I would say I have enough to seriously compete against anyone. And at this point, it is just my skill level. Right. Because if yeah. you focus on the gun that you know that you're good at, if you can figure a gun you're good at and focus on that and then choose the upgrades you want, because you don't have to buy everything, you just pick up... Well, I guess... It depends on what you use. As you use stuff in Call of Duty, you get stuff. Anyways. So did you go Did you go sniper? I went a little bit sniper, but the snipers in that game were pretty good. Um, like, I, I had a sniper battle against me and this other guy, and he... All I could see was maybe like, I mean, you've seen my television. Yeah. I could see maybe eight pixels of him. Wow. And just he had a better whatever on view. Me. <laughs> yeah. Because I was on a roof and he was behind kind of a wall. But uh. So he blew you up is what you're trying to say. Yeah. The they were pr- they were pretty. Everyone was it was tough. But it wasn't like game debilitating tough like it's hard. any arcade comic <laughs> <laughs> alright um, well that sounds good we should jump into the news so we can get through it all so we can talk about game releases yeah sounds good so, so if we don't do it now if we don't talk about game releases people are going to be like why did you talk about mag for so long <laughs> no one cares about playstation uh, so I, I have a funny I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but there's this TV show called um, Human Target. Okay. That's that's not what I'm going to pronounce wrong. <laughs> there's this TV show called Human Target that's about to come out, but for some reason, whenever I see it, I always think of Hunan Target, which is a province in China. <laughs> How um, do you even know that? I don't know, and I don't know why I only think of it in that context. Like, normally if I read the word human, it, I read the word human, but for some reason with this show, Hunan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the reason that I bring that up is not because I pronounce things weirdly or I see weird words places, but um, because it's a TV show that's based on a character who appeared in Batman comics and then had his own short run, I think on DC's Vertigo line. I know it was DC, but I think it was um, Vertigo. And uh, it just looks like... When I first saw it, I was intrigued by the concept because he's a bodyguard, and I don't know, I've read uh, a couple books by David Morelli, one of them is called The Fifth Profession, and it is all about... um, uh, it's all about a bodyguard, and I've always been kind of intrigued by by the idea of bodyguard, someone who you know put puts their life on the line to protect people who pay them a lot of money. So the TV show kind of caught my attention, and then I found out when I was um, watching a preview for it that it's based on a comic book, which made a lot of the relationships in the TV show seem more interesting to me, and I'm kind of wondering. Because prior to that, I was just like, okay, it's an action TV show. But then I found out it was based on a comic book, and suddenly I started to see all these little quirks between people. And I'm kind of wondering if that's because I'm an experienced comic book reader, and I know what to expect (laughs) from comic books. Um, Because comic books focus a lot on personalities and and the relationships between people, even, even between villains and heroes, but also between heroes and the hero's friends, and all that stuff. And I'm I'm... I'm thinking maybe that's in um, CSI or whatever, and I'm just more intrigued when I know that it's based on the 
kind of standard formulas that I'm used to reading in comic books. So I don't know if it's just me or if that actually makes a stronger TV show. Either way, it starts um, January 17th. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, if for no other reason than, you know, I'm curious about how, how good it's going to be. And if it's successful, I can see um, more shows based on comic books coming to TV, just like more shows, more movies based on comic books are coming out after some successes. Then again, and here's the big caveat, it's coming out on Fox, which means if it's good, it's going to be <laughs> on for one season and then they're going to cancel it. And if it's terrible, it'll run for five years. True story. Ugh. If I could wash my hands of one TV network, it would be Fox, because they do such really good things, and then they abandon them and replace them with crap. Like, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which you actually turned me on to, was a great show, and I don't know why they canceled it. Is there any possible reason that people wouldn't like that? (laughs) Well, it didn't exactly get the uh, greatest ratings. But it was good, like, you watched it, But it didn't get the worst. You watched it, right? Yeah. It was, it was good, right? Especially the second season was significantly better than the first. It seemed to have a, a storyline that was getting really interesting. Yeah, especially the end of the second season with all the time travel that was just happening, like as the cliffhanger. Yeah. Dude, I was getting really into it. And then, uh, okay, so maybe it's not Fox. Maybe stupid people need to watch good TV shows instead of watching Jersey <laughs> Shore. I'm talking to you, Zach. I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh. All right, well, let's move on before I just go on an hour-and-a-half-long Fox tirade. Tirade. <laughs> um, there's this video game called Dark Void, which is getting a lot of attention because it gives a little nod to uh, The Rocketeer, which is a fantastic film, one of Disney's best. And I'm not bringing it up because of that. I'm bringing it up because it looks amazing. I always like video games that have innovative little uh, points, and this one has some extremely innovative uh, gameplay mechanics with you're launching yourself into the air, you're flying around, and then you're landing and engaging in combat. Um, I think it's cool. And one of the reviews I read was that taking off with a rocket pack, which is a, a big part of the game, is really, really difficult. But if you get it right, it's like the best feeling ever. And I think that's how it should be, because a rocket pack, as I know from personal experience, is really hard to control. So taking off is difficult, but when you when you nail it, man, it's got to feel good. So I'm excited about that. Um, I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. Obviously rely on Metacritic, whatever rating mechanism you use before you purchase a game. Check that out. Don't just go off of the fact that I think it looks cool, because I could be wrong. It's never happened before, <laughs> but there's always a first. Did you want to talk about the next item of merit? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to... I don't think I Twittered it, so I wanted to at least podcast it. Everyone has heard of Twilight, I'm sure. And I know for a fact, just because of this, there are a decent number of parodies out there, whether the videos on YouTube or actual published parodies. In this case, there's a parody called Nightlight, which uh, just released, and it's by the Harvard Lampoon. And I don't know if that's good or bad. And I don't know if I'm a bad person for not knowing that. (laughs) But either way, there's a a couple excerpts that really won me over and actually made me want to possibly pick it up to probably not entirely read because I have so many (laughs) other books that I want to read. Or maybe skim through. But there's just some... uh, There are some excerpts that I would say I didn't read the book, but having seen the movie, I know... 
everyone has been everyone who read the book and saw the movie told me the movie was significantly more angsty and tying the angstiness of the movie of the scenes that I remember to this dialogue that uh, they've written for Nightlight is quite exceptional and uh, you should check it out we'll put it in the show notes yeah, that that kind of sparks a question for me, not related to this, but um, I, I developed this kind of habit like four or five years ago. I have a trunk book. Do you have a trunk book? I don't know what that means. Okay, so I think I invented it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> this was before I had an iPhone, so your your mileage may vary now. But I bought, I found a book that looked kind of interesting, but that like I wasn't super, super interested in. And it was, um, the first one I did was called the black company i believe and it was about these guys i don't know it was critically acclaimed and pretty popular by glenn cook i think and um i just i didn't love the writing style but apparently it was one of those books that like sci-fi people and fantasy people were like well this is one of the ones that you have to read you know it's like one of the foundational books in the collection so i bought it with the express purpose of putting it in my trunk so that when I found myself in situations where I had my car and I had to wait for something, like I didn't have anything to do and I didn't have any other means of entertainment, I would have that because often if I was in the middle of reading a book, it would be at home and I wouldn't be carrying it around with me everywhere I went. So in that way, I'll read like an extra book every year or two, just a couple chapters at a time. That uh, that seems pretty cool. I've had trunk books just because I have been too lazy to pull them out of my truck. Like I bought um what's it called? Maybe it's called Mage. I don't know. I was at everyone's been to Borders and if you haven't been to Borders then just stop listening to this podcast. So <laughs> and everyone's... unplug your computer and light it on fire. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why you have a computer. Just stop. <laughs> you obviously hate words. Yeah. So as you know, Borders has their employees do little like I think this book is great because this and that and they always have terrible handwriting (laughs) well (laughs) one day I saw that there was one of those under one of the books that I liked that I really liked which is uh, Terry Goodkind's Sort of Truth and it was by just some guy I'm like wow he has really terrible handwriting and I so happened to remember his name as I was walking down the aisle, and I saw another one of those reviews, and it was by the same guy, because I recognized the terrible handwriting, <laughs> and and so I picked up I picked up the book that he had recommended, and I still haven't. I think it went from my trunk to my storage container, oh. to a box, and that box is now in my garage. Oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. You just used uh, sort of the most basic version of Amazon's things you'll like. Technology. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's their answer to that. Like, okay, <laughs> Bob, Amazon has that. You should buy this. What should we do with our brick and mortar stores? Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. They could really, um, they could flesh that out if they wanted to. It wouldn't cost them anything except, you know, however much it costs to, to buy a Polaroid camera. Well, not even that, but. Lately, I've been, I mean, I turn on my television, I go to my U-verse, I have AT&T U-verse, which is excellent, by the way. I go to my U-verse, and I'm like, there's nothing recorded that I want to watch. I want to. I want my TiVo, because <laughs> my TiVo, 
would always record stuff that I liked. And is that patented or some kind of crap? Because I don't understand why nobody else does it. Yeah, why isn't there like a, hey, we have a 250 gig hard drive in here, so we're going to record 100 gigs worth of crap you might like. Because why, why not? Because it costs development resources, and nobody knows about that feature unless they've owned a TiVo. And 99% of America got their first DVR by accident when their cable company bundled it with their new package. <laughs> oh, uh, Speaking of which, I don't know if you realize, but uh, the U-verse is actually Microsoft software. I did not know that. That's interesting. So the the bandwidth is provided by AT&T, obviously, who owns pretty much everything that connects to your house and doesn't deliver electricity <laughs> or natural gas. Yes. Um, and the so, but the serve does that mean AT and T runs Microsoft servers? I would assume yes that they would have to run, or Microsoft would require them to run their IPTV Windows. servers. Yeah. Windows 2008 R2. Probably. 64-bit. On it a, might be a... SX farm. Yeah, who knows? Just a guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, that's interesting. So that leads into another little fact, which is... And go. The... At CS this week, and we were going to talk about this in the pod meet, but we're not, because it just makes sense now. They released some information about Xbox being able to play television on it. And essentially, the UVerse software is called Media Room. Well, the Xbox is capable of essentially being another Media Room attachment, I believe, is how it works. And so they're looking to roll that out. So the Xbox owners this year, 2010, Will that are also UVerse subscribers will be able to use their Xbox as a set-top box, and not only that, but be, they'll because the Xbox will be the IPTV extender. Your computers, which are Windows Media Centers, should be able to um, stream the television from the Xbox as well. That's actually pretty cool, but here's what's not cool about that. All of these things, Xboxes included, are consumable resources, right? Right. They have a shelf life. How much did you pay for your U-verse box? Uh, I pay like... I have two, two DVRs, two HD DVRs, and I pay either 8 to $12 a piece a month for them. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, and then... Um, if they break, you just get a new one. But your yes. Xbox was... I think I... I don't remember if I got this for 250 or 300 We'll just say 300 Hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And if that breaks, you're up a creek without a ladder. Yeah, essentially. So, I mean, it, it's a cool feature, but I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm kind of old school. I do know that my Xbox runs a lot hotter than my... Um, I don't have Uverse, but I do have... Uh, dish. It, my Xbox runs a lot hotter than my Dish DVR, and I would be a little nervous about uh, using it all the time, you know? Yeah, what I will say is the Xbox 360 has a pretty excellent warranty at this point, um, because they've had to, and I don't know if I see myself 
removing my set-top box from my living room. But what is really cool is that my office does not have a television, nor do I have a DVR in here. And being able to fire up Windows Media Center on a PC in here and watch a television show while I'm, like, working or <laughs> working or whatever on my <laughs> computer is kind of cool, you know? Because I certainly... Cool. I certainly desired it in the last few weeks. Right. As you've been working a lot. <laughs> well, as I've been in the office a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Should we move on to your next uh, news item? Oh, yeah. So I'm sure most of everybody knows what Left 4 Dead is, which is a up-to-four-player co-op. Everyone gets guns, first-person shooter, and you kill zombies along this uh, map, essentially. You get from one end to the other, alive, and you win. Well, I'm sure most of everyone else also knows about this little thing called Nintendo that has been around for a great number of years since we were all little, small children. Well, back in the day, those games, we now call them 8-bit, and what someone has done is they've taken the Left 4 Dead kind of concept and whatever you want to call it, art direction, and basically made a Left 4 Dead 8-bit version, which uh, is really, really fun. Yeah, so there's this video of it up on... Um, is, that, is that on Kotaku? There's... There's like a nine. Yeah. There's like a nine-minute play video of it, and uh, it, it looks extremely, I'll say, accurate to the game. It holds true to its roots, basically. Yeah, uh, it's just it's fun. You can download the game. I don't know if you can actually play with other people. I haven't downloaded it yet. I was kind of watching the video, and you made the the comment, "Hey, this is nine minutes. I wonder if it's the entire game." And then I thought, "Oh, now now I don't have to download it." because I, mean, I could just watch the whole game if I wanted to. Now I don't have to play it. I can just watch someone else play it. Oh, it's just like the Ninja Turtles all over again. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's fun. It's just something that I wanted to let people know about. It looks really fun. I mean, if you just want to feel nostalgic or if you want a good laugh, then I'm going I'm to actually download it and see if I could do a two-player match. Nice. See yeah, I'm... I'm I'm probably not um, going to download it just because the labor overhead to get it to work seems way too difficult. <laughs> um, anyway, all right, so the next little tidbit that we have is uh, this awesome list of January video games, and I think we have a little bit of time to cover that, and I think we should. We owe it to the people, really. We owe it. So do you want to do you want to tackle this? Because all I see is dark void when I look at this list. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll just go one by one, and I'll 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 say the title, and the systems it's going to come out on, and if I have and any. I will I'll... give a one-word response. Okay, all right, <laughs> that works. I'll do the title, systems, your one word, and then I'll I'll finish it up. All right. Next. Okay, ready? All right, Bayonetta is coming out on 316 PlayStation 3. Wait, crap, I have to get to that screenshot. Which one is that? First one. It's the first, no, it's not. The first yeah, one I well, went to was... I sent you the link to, like, the oh. fifth. Just click the first icon. Okay. Um, what what's the platforms was that? 
Xbox and PlayStation. Bootylicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kind of interested in it, but uh, her legs are so long. <laughs> like honestly, that's the only reason I'm not. I'm like this is silly. <laughs> this is not proportionate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, we are going to have the link to this slideshow in the show notes, so you you may want to pause the podcast right now, load up the slide until you get to Bayonetta, and then follow along with us. Yeah. Uh, okay, next game: Darksiders, 360, and PlayStation 3. Apocalyptic. Kinda apocalyptic. Link Zelda. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> um, both of these games, by the way, Bayonetta and Darksiders, come out this week, which is the week of January 11th. Actually, they yeah. Wait, no, they came out last week. Both of them. Oh, sweet! So they we could be playing these right now instead of doing a bad podcast. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Next, Army of Two, the 40th day, 360, PlayStation 3, and PSD, PSP. Fist hopefully, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully, with with more veiled gay remarks <laughs> and more fist bumping, <laughs> more fist bumping. boom. Oh man! All right, next. Okay. Oh, funny, funny thing with this one. Before you give your one word, or no, you do your one word, and then I'll do my thing. Vancouver, right. twenty ten. You have sixty and PlayStation. You 3. have to tell the people what this is because the name doesn't give it away. <laughs> It's obviously the Winter Olympics. Yeah, it's a picture. Okay, it's a picture. (laughs) Go ahead. No, do you one word. Okay, my one word. It is. uh, It is obviously a video game based around the Winter Olympics. My one word, unfortunately, doesn't fit. I'm gonna have to do more than one word. (laughs) Okay. Here it comes. Uh, It's fine for people that like that sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So my thing is that I didn't know that. I didn't, like, I know that the Winter Olympics is, there's a cycle that it's on, but I didn't know we were having Winter Olympics this year, <laughs> even, like, obviously not in Vancouver. I found out about the Winter Olympics because of a video game announcement. <laughs> 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 and, That's and the location <laughs> on top of that. Oh, man. They're oh. starting, like, right now. I think they're starting today. <laughs> Oh that's gosh. not that's not true. I don't know when they start, but it's soon. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Next. Like <laughs> uh PC which the screenshot looks different from my game, I think, but I could be wrong. It's not as wide, that's for sure. So Torchlight apparently is going to get a retail which yay. Get yeah. One word. Uh isn't it retail? Oh, like in a it's box. Steam. It's digital only right now. Okay, here's my one word for... Okay, I, I need two separate things. The, my one word for Torchlight itself, the game, is delightful. Okay. My one word for the retail version of the game is unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're going to release it on CD. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but th- this this is interesting. Let's pause for a minute here because this is interesting because... It's kind of like when somebody gets big on YouTube and then they get a record label thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, we were at Target uh, yesterday, and there's been this game on Steam called 
zombies and plants or plants and zombies. Yeah, yeah plants and that, zombies. That has a retail release now, which is oh. cool for them, you know? Yeah. So. Alright. Yeah. Moving on. Dark Void for PlayStation and PS3. Zoom! <laughs> Did the Rocketeer have have a saying or something? I can't remember. No, but he definitely did that whole backpack spinny helmet pan thing. Did he have, like, a catchphrase? I don't think so. I don't know. The Rocketeer seems so much like a comic book, and that's part of why I love it. And it's also a little bit steampunky, which is the rest of why I love it. But, you know, comic book heroes always have to have a little catchphrase, except for Batman, whose catchphrase is just an intense scowl. (laughs) I am Batman. (laughs) Constipation. (laughs) That would be his catchphrase. All right, next is Silent Hill Shattered Memories for the PSP and PS2. I don't even know. I like (laughs) Silent Hill. I like Silent Hill a lot. I like Silent Hill, but this screenshot is terrible. Oh, apparently it's coming out on the Wii as well, but not not this week. Well, maybe uh, next month. This screenshot is terrible. Well, it's PSP and PS2, so I guess that's acceptable. Kind of. Yeah. Um, my one-word review, Bendy. Oh, this is a re, re, redo of the first one. All right. I never want to be attacked by zombies who can flex in that particular manner. <laughs> no kidding. But I'm bummed. All right, Shadow <laughs> of Destiny on the PSP. I don't even know why this one's in here. What is is this? this a manicure game? What is this about? <laughs> It's got to be, like, some remake. Okay, Japanese. Konami, whatever. They make video games. Oh, what? All right. Well, (laughs) I'm going to just skip this one. All right. Hallucinogenic was my word for the one that we're (laughs) skipping. (laughs) Ten ten borked points if you make a comment on which one we skipped. (laughs) Yes. Mag PS3. PlayStation 3. Is that it? Just PS3? Yeah. Crisp. Crisp. Yeah, it is kind of a crisp. Yeah, you know, the game looks that good, honestly. I mean, um, it does it? Like, in action? In in motion? Yeah. That was like, in motion, I was able to see that big church from far away. Well, that's impressive. I'm impressed by that. Yes. Next. Next. Mass Effect 2... Uh, 360, PlayStation 3, and PC. Mm. I'm really looking forward to this. Especially after playing Dragon Age. Yeah. It's like Dragon Age in space, right? (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) And more so. This will be a console game. Next. Next. We don't know. We haven't made the website. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No More Heroes 2, Desperate Struggle. I never uh, played No More Heroes. Where's your Where's your one word? I don't have a word. I'm just annoyed. Look. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Japanese right. people, stop making video games about skiing with Star Wars swords. That's all I have to say. <laughs> skiing. Look at those handguards. Clearly, there's some skiing involved. <laughs> He's like an assassin. Uh. All right. Whatever. He's bad at it. <laughs> all all of the like Wii fanboys out there are just like frothing. <laughs> like, there aren't it's any. The best Wii game third party ever. 
Alright. Blood Bowl. This doesn't even deserve a mention. Mm. Blood Bowl on PC and 360. Unless this game has some kind of awesome playability, there is no reason it should be on my screen right now. What what this reminds me... Well, it's coming out. <laughs> what yeah, this but... reminds me of is... Um, you remember Battle Chess? Yeah, and there was there was this kind of game out when Battle Chess came out, too. Okay, if like this were an upgrade of Battle Chess, it would be perfect. I would be fine with that. I would, I'm would. i only okay with this in that it might actually get people to play real RTSs. Doubtful. What it might sure. do is get... <laughs> what it might do is get frat boys to play it. <laughs> <laughs> and oh only if it God. manages to swing an M rating, which I'm really doubting is going to happen. Well, it's Final Fantasy Tactics football. <laughs> yeah, so uh, wasn't that a PSP <laughs> game, by the way? Oh, my gosh. Ugh. So my one, my one word review is lame. Lame. Okay, that's it. All right, so those are the games that are coming out in January. They may have already come out. Some of them look great. Some of them look kind of weak. I know I'm going to be at your house playing Dark Void. Wait, no, Dark cool. Void was 360, right? Yeah, you can get that one. Sweet. So I have no reason to come to your house. Unless you want to play Bayonetta. Which I really don't. <laughs> Should blinkin'. Uh, Let me know how her... I'm not buying that game. ...apparatus is situated. And maybe I'll come play it. Um, so the last thing, I'm actually stupidly excited about this. I don't think I'm going to play it, but only because of the monthly subscription. So go. <laughs> Uh, Lego Universe, which is the Lego MMO. I don't really know much about it. I honestly have not watched the videos for it yet. But what I have been hearing is that it looks pretty fun. And it'll definitely be fun for young teenagers or pre-teenager boys. And or girls. Hey, no. Or girls. Essentially, it's a creative MMO, which, I mean, I think is really cool. Kind of, like... Yeah, and I think they hit the nail on the head, because um, what we saw, what concerned me about, like, uh, LEGO Indiana Jones and LEGO Batman, right? These were... Was it Batman? Batman, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, yeah. These were fantastic games. Playability was great, adventure was great. But the, the the Lego spin on them was really kind of an overlay. They would have been good games with any other textures, you know? Yeah, they did they did certainly add a kind of draw, but overall it didn't have to be although there were some things I mean there's there's a certain amount of comic relief in it that you can't get away with without it being building blocks, I would have to say. Yeah, that that's definitely true. Um, I don't know. I just I'm I'm excited about the fact that they they did try to introduce more of the creativity, which is what people love about Legos, into the MMO. Um, and this is made by our friends over at Gazillion, who are also working on a bunch of Marvel games. And aren't they the ones that? No, they didn't do um, they didn't do the Heroes games. Wait, are you talking about Net Devil? I don't know who has... Net, Net Devil is the one working on the uh, Lego MMO. 
they 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 did acquire Gazillion. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Are you sure Gazillion didn't have it before NetDevil acquired them? I don't know. All right. Like, well, anyway, there are some companies that are making awesome MMOs, and uh, I'm excited about. It. I think it's going to be cool, and I'm also looking forward to the future of MMOs in general. So we'll see. Oh, speaking speaking of which. Uh, I watched a few videos of the Star Trek MMO that's coming out. Don't. <laughs> Don't tease me. You can guess who sent them to me. Uh, I can. How is Kev Matt, by the way? No, close though. Who's the one that makes us buy all the MMOs that we don't really want to buy? Oh, how is your brother, by the way? <laughs> yeah, so he sent me a couple of videos and... It looks like a pretty solid game, to be honest. I don't know if it would ever overtake my WoW, even though it's not really parallel to WoW. No, but the, we, I think we, we agree that there's only space in our lives for one MMO at a time. Yeah. So, it basically, it's not you're not selling me the idea of a massively multiplayer game based on space or based on Star Trek or based on anything else, you're selling me a game that is better than WoW, and that's a tough sell. Yeah, because, you know, I honestly don't feel like I have enough space in my budget. I mean, I waste a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But when I look at my budget and I say, okay, I have an MMO and I pay for two subscriptions for WoW right now for Jennifer and I, and could I really say I'm going to add another MMO onto that? You know, when it's a, it's I'm not, not really going to spend that time there. Yeah, it's not necessarily a, a financial barrier as much as it's a psychological barrier. I think. Yeah. It's like you see the statements on your credit card and you're like, oh, 14 more dollars, really? Yeah. Because I I would like to play Star Trek Online, but not pay the monthly fee. Right. You know, because yes. it Sign looks like up a for solid. That. Whoever's making it, uh, sign us up for that program, and we'll give it a shot. Exactly. Um, so what was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm back to my old, my old rant about how I have a hard time with MMOs in a sci-fi universe, you know? Yeah, and watching the gameplay videos, it wasn't like EVE completely. It was much more action-y. I mean... They want you to get in a game and shoot and kill stuff like you shoot and... Not like, but more like you shoot and kill stuff in a normal MMO like right. World of Warcraft, where you have the chance to kill, like, 40 things in 40 minutes, you know? Right, right, right. You're not right. sitting there. And, and it's much more... I mean, I think EVE Online really hurt it for a lot of future space games because there's just so much there. And every week I see a new thing that's like, help get help get off the ground in EVE Online. Help understand EVE Online. Like, <laughs> you, know, you, guys are, you guys would have way more subscribers if you just, you know, took a lot of time and made the game a lot less complex for the early adopters. Yeah, I think, I think honestly though, I think they're kind of stuck because they have a relatively small subscriber base of people who are attracted to the game because of the learning curve. Yeah. And I think they feel like if they do anything to that, even if they only do it at the beginning, they're going to lose out on some of their feature set, which is what keeps their player base with them. Yeah, I guess you're you're right, but it doesn't make them 
any smarter business-wise. No, they could certainly, and, and that's they're between a rock and a hard place because what they did was they created an excellent game from all I've heard. I've only played it in beta years and years ago. But apparently they've created an excellent game, but now they're stuck. It's so good that they're stuck with the players that they have. And what they don't want to do, I think, is do exactly what SLE did to Star Wars Galaxies. Right. Which wow, is in, in trying to broaden the appeal, they did a terrible job, botched it, and ruined the game completely. Yep. So, anyway, that's uh, all based on the Lego MMO coming out shortly. So <laughs> <laughs> This year, uh, apparently, 2010, there's no date. I would, I would get in the beta for that, so if you guys want to send me a beta disc, feel free. Oh, speaking of which, the... Cataclysm Alpha is supposed to start pretty soon here, although the the one recently was false. The report of was false, but... Right. But it is supposed still to... still supposed to start pretty soon here. Yeah, I think we're going to see... Um, I think we're going to see a fast alpha. I think that their internal testing does so much of that work before it gets to alpha stage, and they have gotten so good at it over the last 15 years that we're going to see just a month in alpha, and then we're going to go straight to closed beta, and that's going to last for about a month, and then they're going to do an open beta for about a week, and then we're going to see a release. Yeah, and that actually goes exactly with what I'm thinking, and kind of what happened with Lich King, because I remember my buddy was like, oh, uh, our friends and family alpha is starting, I'll let you know if I can get you a key. I only have one for myself right now. And within a month, I received my... Lich King beta invite and we only got like maybe two months on that beta and the game was, was essentially released yeah so um, we're probably going to see one more content patch about two months from now which will be patch 3.4 which is going to include all of the talent changes that they want to make and introduce a bunch of new systems we may see the Path of the Titans thing start to get introduced um, yeah and then I think they're going to drop 4.0 on us, and that's pretty much going to be... And, it. oh, is, is Arthas in 3.3, or is he going to be another patch? I'm guessing 3.3, but I'm probably wrong. All right. I have no, I have no guess, so that's even worse. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited. I mean, that's going to be cool. Uh, they need to do it. That's the timing that they need to hit because once Ice Crown is cleared out, I mean, I think that I honestly think the the state of readiness for Ice Crown has nothing to do with why they haven't released the last batch of box, bosses. I think that they've gotten the player base used to gated releases like this, and they're using it to prolong the the lifetime with the hardcore and medium hardcore uh, players. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So that's uh, that to me points more uh, along with a lot of things that points to a, a soonish release a readiness. on cataclysm. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But anyway, nobody wants to hear about WoW, which is why we don't nope. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so moving me on to and you and Jay <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Zach, but probably not <laughs> now. Not before. No, not before. <laughs> Grass on anybody. Ah, uh, yeah, Zach hit 80. Good job, sir. He did that in, like, what, a week and a half? Uh, longer than that. He's had it since... maybe just before Christmas? It was Especially a record. class got out. It was a record. That's all yeah, I'm saying. It was pretty quick. 
So, oh, I just opened that first link that you put in, which I hadn't seen before, and oh. I got a bad feeling in my tummy. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about? Well, I think we're talking about CES 2010 is what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and the very first of... thing, you need to talk about it because I don't even, <laughs> I'm trying to understand it still. My eyes are like <laughs> in revolt. Aren't, aren't they? I don't know. All right, so we have a lot of. Oh, that's the back of it. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) What? It doesn't make it any better. (laughs) I thought that was the front. Oh, oh, go ahead. There's lots of cool things at CES this year, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, right? Yeah, and one of them is not this. (laughs) One of them is not this, which is a the Mad Cat's Rat Premium Gaming Mice. Rat stands for something stupid, I'm sure. Absolutely. No question about it. Either way, the game, the gaming mouse has, I don't know, I mean, it's got a decent amount of buttons. Like, you can have one, two, three, four. Five, it looks six. like an aircraft. Look, it has valves in the back. It's got, like... <laughs> what? Like, essentially, it's like the inner workings of a mouse that they made even more, and they added, like, turning knobs and it's like the most disgusting looking mouse <laughs> it's got to be for I've tight they have pretensioners back here like if they were going for like a transformers look they hit it and then they went beyond <laughs> you know you know what that is in the back that's an attitude adjuster for the hand well so you can have it at different angles i wow. can't believe i just said that i bet this I'm I'm hearkening back to the days when we worked together for the same company, which shall remain nameless. Um, I bet this mouse has a gimbal in it. Probably. Wow. <laughs> so. All right. So moving along, <laughs> the Mad Cat's premium mouse is ugly. Yeah, but maybe it's awesome. I mean, I'd love to use one. I just wouldn't want to look at it afterwards. It would be like that shameful thing where <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, God. when you're not using it, you hide it under a cloth on your desk or something. All I <sighs> have to say is I never want to hear you say, John, I adjusted my gimbal. Oh, man. All right, let's move on to the next. So we'll have links to all of these things in the show notes. Um, So please check them out. And when you get back to a computer, if you're out walking or whatever you're doing, uh, check them out and prepare to be amazed. (laughs) Amazed. I'll I'll hit this next one up. Uh, This year, 2010, there's there's always going to be, for every CES, what we see are a couple of big themes. And it seems like companies get on the same wavelength about something and they spend all their R&D dollars in the last couple months developing this technology and then they bring it to CES. That doesn't mean it's going to hit the stores ever or see the light of day, but it's big. So the two big things right now are flat computers and we'll call them tablets or slates or whatever. They're, They're computers that you use the screen to control them and there's usually no keyboard attached. And the other big thing is the 3D television, which is a technology that I can tell you after watching Avatar for two and a half hours, you do not want. You might think you want it, but you don't. It's going to make your eyes bleed. It's going to make you tired and cry. But um, do you want to talk about this Kotaku thing? Because I think this is all we need to know about 3D television. <laughs> there is a Kotaku. Kotaku is a gaming uh, blog. It's one of the big, probably the biggest gaming blog. Well... 
There are 12, there's a, a photo slideshow of 12 images. Each one has a different 3D pair of glasses that the Engadget editors have on from different booths. So they walked around CES and they managed to get at least 12 photos of different 3D glasses, which is, it's just kind of <laughs> hilarious. I think it's indicative of the, what they're seeing. It's not just 3D TVs, it's 3D gaming, it's everything, but the pictures are funny because, uh, I don't know, the guys are just funny, but the different types of glasses are great. And then you you get to a couple of these pictures and they there are some 3D glasses that are, um, I think they're called assisted 3D, and that is where the glass, the, the glasses itself, it's not just a pair of glasses, but it has some technology that assists with projecting images and makes everything look more real. And some 3D technology relies on those types of glasses, but all of those glasses, the assisted 3D glasses, have wires connecting them. <laughs> it just looks so stupid. And I think we're going to look back at this and be like, really? Really? So that leads me to my opinion on 3D in the home, whether it be at the computer or at the television, especially the television set. Is it my opinion? It's probably the same opinion. I mean, seriously, folks, no one, I mean, I have to wear glasses to see. That's seeing. I mean, if I take <laughs> my glasses off, I can't see things. But if I have to wear a pair of glasses to see 3D on my television, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I don't, it's just, it's just silly. I'm not going to have like, it, I, I want to invite eight people over to watch a movie and I have to have eight pairs of 3D glasses. Are you kidding me? Maybe BYO3D. Yeah. Make sure to bring your 3D set, otherwise you're going to watch two movies at the same time. Oh, and it has to be real 3D, not live 3D, because those are incompatible. Apparently, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even care enough to know. I don't even. Yeah. I haven't even popped the Wikipedia article on how it works because I don't care. What we don't want is a standards war for 3D, and then we all end up with three sets of 3D glasses that yeah. we can't use. Yeah. Ugh. I enjoyed Avatar 3D. I will enjoy other movies like Avatar in 3D. I will not buy 3D in my living room. For the okay, so future. here's the cool thing. If you remember, I talked about Coraline a while ago and how I got the collector's edition, which was like an extra $2, and it came with the digital version, and it also came with a 3D version. Right. I have the same version. I haven't popped my glasses yet. So No, neither have I, and probably never will, but hey, if you want to, I'm just saying, if you want to include that option for us, cool. If you expect us to spend money on that technology, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. And by NPR us, NPR had a little bit. They have their tech thing every Monday, and they were talking about CES. Oh, maybe it was later in the week, just about CES in general. And they were talking about the 3D glasses, and they were they were laughing about it, how it's kind of silly, this and that. And the kicker was was the the host said, "Well, tell me if there are any sets that don't require glasses." And the reporter went on to say, oh, yeah, there's one There's one set by, I don't remember who, there's one set by so-and-so, but you have to sit at exactly the center of the television, otherwise you don't see it 3D. <laughs> 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 and, 
And oh, she's like, man. that set probably will never make it to market. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> like I could see, I could see like rich people getting this one set <laughs> and having their their big old like media rooms converted to have just seats all the way down the center of the. <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured a family of five, and the kids are squabbling over who gets to see the movie in 3D. Yeah, and who gets to see, like, two movies at the same time. Who gets to watch two movies. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's good stuff. My take on 3D is, um, just kind of like I said, it's kind of an auxiliary thing. It's a little perk. It might be interesting sometimes. After watching Avatar, what I really took away from that is 3D is exhausting, and watching a 3D movie for that long, I don't know, I, I was ready for a nap. So maybe it's something you adjust to, but I wouldn't want all of my TV to be 3D. I really wouldn't. Um, yeah, and they were talking about the broadcasts that apparently are going 3D. And ESPN, every game that they record themselves, they, it will be 3D. And then I guess there's going to be a dedicated channel with like three companies, Disney, so-and-so, and so-and-so going to make this all 3D all the time. And I'm like, and they were even talking about how we just got HD, you know. And HD was impressive, but 3D is an annoyance, even though it is nicer. It's not like I'm, I'm not missing anything, really. Right. So. Yeah. I'm not compelled. It's interesting that the, it seems like the entire industry is grasping onto that. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they've made so much money off of high definition. Uh, and they think it's like the next logical step? Yeah. So, uh, meh. I, I think a part of this, though, is just CES. CES is all about debuting the new crazy technology, whether or not it's actually going to be useful to anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And showing you things in an extra dimension is just... Yeah, but you also have to consider ESPN actually taking 3D out to the every right. game that they record. Yeah. You know, yeah. Are they just wasting their money? Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> now, movies, I, want, I, I will go see movies in IMAX in 3D. Well, and... and oh, I don't know. Are they wasting their money? That's such a complicated question. <laughs> Derivatives yeah. and... Um, but yeah, IMAX definitely, and and I'll pay the premium for that. I don't mind it. I what I do kind of mind is that they don't do previews in IMAX. Cause I didn't even notice that. I kind I know, but it sucks because I really like previews. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's Apple.com/trailers. Ah, uh, yeah, but. Eh. Anyway, um, I guess they do that as like a feature. No previews, save time, save money, but. I kind of enjoy it. Anyway, let's, uh, I guess, move on. 3D TV is interesting, and we'll see if it ever gains wide adoption. And moving on to my favorite thing, and I have I have something. I don't think I told you this. I'm excited to tell you it ne- next. Oh. So I saw this on, um, I don't know, in my, <laughs> in my Google Reader, which, i.e., I saw this on the Internet. And I got really excited, and then I saw the actual pictures, and I got really excited, and then I got annoyed, and then I just got excited again. Um, So you may or may not be familiar with a product called Boxy, which is, it was originally based off of something called XBMC, I believe, right? 
That sounds right. Or they were kind of related, or it was inspired They're by. They're the same thing. Yeah. So Boxy is uh, a it's a software package that working together uh, essentially creates a media center for you, the consumer. And you can install it on a computer and hook that computer up to a TV, and you have all kinds of cool functionality. And the coolest thing for me, aside from, you know, you can download your movies and play them through there, it has access to all these different uh, things like Hulu.com and Pandora and Last.fm and all kinds of stuff. So your boxy device can play streaming videos from Hulu.com, right? Yeah. And it's always been a software package. Well, Boxy just announced that they're going to be selling a physical hardware device, which is great. And people have been making these off of the NVIDIA ION chipset, which is great for, for kind of a lightweight. And when I say lightweight, I'm talking about power consumption and heat generation. Those are the two key components here. A lightweight, low-cost, um, media PC kind of thing. They'll install Boxy on it. Usually under $200 or around $200 is what you're going to end up paying. The Boxy device comes out um, sometime this year, and it's going to be under two. It's actually, is it this month? I don't know. I don't know either. It's soon, and it's going to be under $200, and it's made by D-Link, and I don't know. I'm excited about it, and I didn't tell you, um, but I, I'm not going to be having Dish going forward in the next few months, and uh, I think that I'm going to be trying to cut costs a little bit. I think what I'm going to do is um, get a boxy device, and I'm not going to pay oh. for TV anymore. Sounds like a plan. So that's my plan. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about with the Boxy was the Boxy remote, which is, I said I went to it and I got excited. I got excited because it's Boxy. And then I got excited because I saw the remote control. And then I got annoyed because I saw the actual device. And then I got excited again because I saw the remote control. But the, the Boxy device, and again, check the show notes, but it's basically a cube. And one of the corners of the cube has been cut off, so it lays back so that one corner is pointing up. And then you're supposed to fit it into your media center, <laughs> which, I, I don't know, like, make things flat. Come on, people. <laughs> it's like to you, and it only it, needs it to is, be one Yeah, minute. it is really awkward. Yeah. So it looks hopefully, cool. Hopefully they measured it to fit into some kind of standard <laughs> size convention, but I, I would be surprised. And who knows if this is the final... You That's know. true. This could be like a, aren't we crazy prototype? And then they, they uh-huh. get so much flack from the internet that they're like, fine, it's a rectangle, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, a- anyway, the the remote control got me thinking about remote controls and got me thinking about how I interact with my TV because on the surface of the remote control, in the very center, there are exactly, well, I guess you could say five buttons. So there are two buttons and then below that, there's kind of a, what is that, a D-pad? Is that what we call it? Yes. And uh, that's uh, it's got four directions. It's a square, four directions that you can go. And in the middle of that pad is an enter button. And so that's pretty much it. That That's in the very middle of the remote. And then there's probably an inch and a half, an inch and a half on either side of that, at the top or bottom, that's just empty space. And when you flip it over... The middle of the remote is occupied by a QWERTY keyboard, which is perfect. Because remember, you're using this device to, to get to websites that stream video. So you're going to want to punch in website addresses, and you're not going to want to select from a list of letters and do that. So I think that's absolutely genius. Using two sides of the remote 
and designing the remote so that your hands will rest comfortably while you're using either side and you won't accidentally press the wrong buttons is excellent UI and it's exactly what I would expect from a company that has essentially developed the back end of a media center that is successful because of its front end. Boxy wouldn't be successful if its user interface weren't very good and so this this remote control reflects a company that understands user interface, which is great, but that got me thinking about the other remote controls that I have in my house, like my dish remote control, which I'm, I'm looking around, I'm in the living room, I'm looking for it right now, I can't find it, but it's got mm, probably 70 buttons. <laughs> that might be a slight exaggeration, it might just be 65. Mm. It's absolutely ridiculous. I use maybe 15% of the buttons on that remote. There's no reason for it to have that many buttons. And it just, it, it annoys me now when I see it. And I know that things like the Boxy remote can exist. And I was thinking about where that remote comes from. And I realized that it, it comes from television designers who have worked in electronics all their lives. And these are the guys who can read electrical, whatever, documents, schematics. And that, that's kind of this mindset of people who worked in electronics in the 70s has persisted because people making remotes just make remotes that way and they yeah. never thought about and it. And they all look terrible. And they all look terrible and they're all impossible to figure out. There's no consistency. Imagine if you tried to create a PC product that was like that with that little consistency in the features. Yeah. So People's heads would explode. You've seen my television. Have you seen the remote for my television? Mm, no, but I'm I have a feeling it's probably the same remote as mine. It looks pretty nice, I would yeah. say. It yeah. still has a ton of buttons, and I don't know if you saw, I will get you the link right now. I think okay. that's the Samsung's latest TV, <clears throat> my version, or my television, but the 9000 version, mine's the 6000 version, Yeah. it has a new remote, which looks like an elongated iPhone. Cool. And it so it is a uh, it's an LED display touch. Cool. Do we know if it's capacitive or resistant? I don't play Pokemon. Uh, your iPhone is capacitive, and previous the touch screens that you have to push into are not capacitive. Oh, it's. I'm assuming it's like the iPhone. Okay. So you know what's interesting? While you're looking for that link, um, I, I I found out recently. I was browsing the interwebs, and I found out that the uh, the new Dish. If you have Dish Network, you may you may enjoy this. Um, their VIP 922 uh, DVR box is going to come with a touchscreen remote. Oh, nice. Yeah. But here's the problem, and I mentioned this to you based on another article. There's a company at CES, since we're on the CES section of the show, that's that's created an iPhone app that comes with an IR transmitter and that app, you, it's a universal remote app for your iPhone and you just plug in the IR transmitter and your iPhone becomes remote for whatever. Here's the problem. The same guys who make the hardware remotes designed the freaking UI on the iPhone app. <laughs> so you load it up and it looks exactly like all the crappy remotes that you have in your house that you hate because they're not functional and they're designed by idiots who don't know how to do things right. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, so I sent you the link. Check the link out now that you're done with your rant. All right. First I'm not all, quite done. I have one more thing. I'm going to open the link, and I just want to say this one more thing, and then you can tell me about it. Okay. The, this is the 21st century. Our remote <laughs> controls should not look even remotely anything like remote controls that they sold in 1978. True story. All right. Continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so that remote there. That's that pretty seeing, cool. If you can look through the 
the other photos. I'll I'll put the actual photos oh, into the photos. the notes. I want to buy a new TV now. This is yeah. Well, that television. I can't find the actual the side of that television. But essentially, you've seen how small my television is. Is it smaller? This is like significantly smaller than mine. Right. Yeah. And it's five thousand dollars, right? I'm sure that five to eight thousand. So we'll get it five years from now, and it'll be twelve hundred. <laughs> but the remote. As you can see, is is pretty dang cool. It's much like an iPhone. It has like a home screen. The only buttons they put on there is volume, channel. Yes. And then other than that, it's touch screen, I believe. That is that screen. is perfect. Yeah. So I'm looking at this remote. There are there's a volume. It's what you expect. It's the plus and minus for volume. And there's a channel up, down, and then there are two buttons in the middle, and that's it. And the rest is just touch screen. That's perfect. Yep. And a power button in the top left. That's, that's all you need. Yeah. And because everything else should be, even if, and here's my thing, even if you didn't want to invest in the touch screen, you can still do this exact thing with on-screen menus with a transparency layer. Because with DVRs today, no one needs to make adjustments and miss out on their show, right? Yeah. Yep. And there's no other crap that you're going to be doing with this except, I guess, putting in numbers. So if you didn't have the touch screen, you should have a number pad, and that's it, period. A uh, quick backtrack before we go into our our next subject. I wanted to mention that the boxy, the actual set top box, they're saying will be under two hundred dollars, which yes. is entirely affordable. That is the perfect price for that. And then do so. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your bill. <laughs> I want I want you to highlight the part of it that is uh, that's cable, whatever that is. If you have a combined bill, if you're using Uverse or if you're using Time Warner for your cable and your internet or whatever, uh, highlight the part of it that covers television, and I want you to uh, divide 200 by that, and then <laughs> just email me the number. I'm doing a poll. Email me the number and tell me how many months of cable it's going to cost you to pay this thing off. I'm going to make a I'm going to make a wager here. I bet it's going to be less than five for 99% of the people listening. Yeah, I I agree. So it'll probably be like three. Yeah, probably. If you have any channels, it's three. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's good. I'm I'm excited about that. I hope more companies pay attention to that. And what I what I came down to as I've been thinking about this the whole week is uh, what we really need are UI designers, user interface designers, people who specialize in user experience, designing everything in our lives, period. So anyway, um, all, all slight audio difficulties aside, we're back on track. And uh, uh, can we, before we go on to the, the, just the bevy of flat crap, can we talk about the USB 3? Do you want to talk about that? I don't know if there's much to say other than USB 3 is coming out and it's really, really fast compared to existing USB, which will make everything faster, which is kind of cool. It is still wired. It's not wireless. There is a wireless USB scheme. There are wireless USB devices coming out. But essentially, right now it takes your iPod maybe 15 minutes to get, or your iPhone your 16 gig iPhone or your Zune HD come on uh, <laughs> okay yeah your iPhone <laughs> <laughs> your 16 gig iPhone takes me 15-20 minutes to get all the data back on there if you like reboot or refresh or something well on the USB 3 it might be faster yay 
But really, if you're going to upgrade your iPhone OS, you still want to do it right before you make a sandwich. That's true. Yeah. So, um, USB 3 could be cool. I like the idea that it has a wireless standard because we know that the Bluetooth standard is made for convenient connectivity and low battery usage, but it's not necessarily made for throughput. Yeah, and that actually comes into play with PlayStation 3 wireless headsets. I have a coworker that looked for a PlayStation 3 wireless headset for a good month for her boyfriend as a Christmas gift, and she never was able to find a really good one because the only available ones essentially are like car phone quality. You're not going to get good fidelity of audio yeah. over those things whatsoever. Yeah, and that's always going to be tricky. Um, uh, yeah, so hopefully that will have some significant gains in speed and it'll become standard. I'm just waiting for the wireless charging, wireless syncing, and I'll be happy. Yeah, that's what everyone keeps saying. That I'll be happy when all that stuff comes out. <laughs> How do they there, know? There's what do they a, think they are? There was a television at CES that was wireless completely. They've got, I think, the HD wireless almost down, essentially, as long yeah. as you don't have like, radiation in your home. Yeah. And they are working on the wireless power. And they had this maybe 32-inch television, and it was sitting on this white box, and it was like, no wires, no power, all audio, video, all wireless, all power wireless. I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then I was looking closer, and I noticed that there was this big huge like black plastic slab behind it <laughs> like, like an inch behind it right yeah like <laughs> behind it. i'm like okay that would work inside your wall like, how much radiation are you <laughs> subjecting yourself to just to power your television without a cord <laughs> like, while while it's hanging on a wall yeah well seriously <laughs> How many of us really? And if you want, and if you're going to pay that much, just pay an electrician to wire up your TV. Yeah. <laughs> but how many of us really need a television in the middle of the room? Yeah. No. That's one. not even conducive. Like, if a feng shui practitioner came to your house, they would leave immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm constantly having feng shui practitioners over for dinner, so that would just ruin yeah. everything. Uh, okay, so we should move to the um, to the to the slate flat the flat section of the show. Yeah, we talked about this a lot on the last podcast. Well, we talked about the potential of Apple doing this, which I think is different than talking about what everybody else is doing. And when I say I think it's different, I mean I wasn't as derogatory as I'm about to be. <laughs> yeah, I would say I wasn't entirely compelled by anything I saw. It was interesting to see. So, I mean, I, I put five, and I know there are more, slate slash tablet type products into our show notes right. and yeah, I don't know if we're going to get to them all but, but I wasn't really compelled by any of them there's some interesting things on some of them Okay, but I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say uh, okay I'm just going to go through the list and we're going to put these all in the show notes so you can you can follow, I'm just going straight down the list all Right. starting with the Dell Slate this is a cell phone going to the <laughs> HP Slate <laughs> well, uh, really quick on that that's the Dell Mini 4 Five, I believe, I believe that their naming convention is inches because they have a Dell Mini Ten, which is an, a netbook. 
All right. I think they're going to release like a Dell Mini 8, which is essentially the larger larger version. Okay. So what I'm looking at is an oversized iPhone with um, what from this picture appears to be a relatively unimpressive screen. Uh, it's Android, by the way. It's running Android, which is fine, but it is the worst-looking Android UI I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Seriously, look at the buttons. Look at the things around the buttons. Yeah. That makes me want to stab myself in the eye because that I had that in Windows 3.1. Yeah. So that's terrible. Um, it, it's just, I mean, it looks exactly like an oversized iPhone, and it's stupid. It should be a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller. It should not be the size that it is. So they did that all wrong. Um, I don't know. I'm not... I don't see any any place for this device in my life. I already have an iPhone. That's what I would say to this. And if you were an Android user, you would probably say, I already have a Droid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But <laughs> um, I don't think so. Moving on. HP Slate. This one actually tickled my proverbial fancy, and I can't get the photo that I want to look at to load, which is really obnoxious, but... Um, the one with Twilight on it? Yes. But, uh, it, it's... So here's the problem with this. It's running Windows 7. Apparently, most of these will have the option for... Well, most of them will have the option for Android. Some of them will have a Windows 7 option. I And don't get me wrong, I think Windows 7 is... It, it's potentially the best operating system Microsoft has ever released. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. But, I don't... That's not what I'm looking for in a device without a keyboard. I know that. I've experienced that because I have... Um, uh, at my last job, we had REM, uh, not REM, what was it? Motion computing made, they did a fantastic job of making some tablets for customized um, situations. They were like used mostly in medical. We had a couple of them and they were running Windows XP and it was fine, except I want you to think about how you would use Windows XP without a keyboard for just a couple minutes. And then realize that that's not a device that you need. Um, yeah. yeah, it has a reader, but you know what? This thing is probably going to be six, seven hundred dollars, and you can get a Kindle for two fifty. Yeah, that's not. And you have an iPhone, so no, not interested. Um, MSI. Actually, the MSI one intrigued me because it's running Android, and I, I don't know. Something about this one appealed to me a little bit more than the Windows Seven one. I think maybe because I have a lot of faith in Android developers, and here's an interesting idea. I've talked a lot about, especially in the last episode, about how I think Apple's app developers are going to really drive the direction that the um, Apple tablet device takes, if there is an Apple tablet device, and how that's what's going to make it a compelling device because it could be put to interesting uses by the people who develop on it. I guess the same could be true for Android and the same could be true for Microsoft, but because there's never been a compelling piece of hardware behind it, developers have never developed specifically for that type of platform in what is otherwise a really open operating system environment. Yeah. So, I don't know. But the, this MSI one intrigues me. MSI has done some cool stuff in the past. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I like the look of it. I like the the size is perfect. It's 10 inches. Um, it's running Android. It's on the Tegra chipset, which is pretty lightweight and pretty quick. And, I don't know. Something about this one, it kind of gets me. Maybe it's just the way it looks and I'm just answering, you know, the call of shiny technology. Um, they've definitely put a little bit into the finish for the CES model. I don't know if that's what we would see uh, on the real world, but um, 
I think that could get some it could get some attention if they if they went with it they flushed out if they could make it for cheap four or five hundred dollars because they're not paying an operating system license uh, they are they are a bargain contender MSI doesn't have a lot of overhead from a quality standpoint I'll say that <laughs> um, although think, it does look pretty nice it, yeah it looks great I think they could hit the market with this and sell a couple of them I'll, I'll say probably more likely than the Dell stupid. I want to see the bigger Dell. They haven't released anything about that yet. Right. Okay, so the Seidel um, M7. TV tuner, external monitor capabilities, and it looks like it comes with a built-in stand. I think that's great. Give it a Bluetooth keyboard and sell it for $300, and you'll be in good shape. And call it a netbook. <laughs> and call it a netbook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's too thick, and that that's probably going to be why it's cheaper. Um, I think when tablets are all the vogue, they show some cool. S oh no, they don't! Wow, that's they should not show this at all. So they've got what they have here are they have screenshots of the thing on its stand, and they've shown that it's capable of rotating. So it's oriented. It's a wide screen, and if you rotate it, it's oriented so that it is taller than long, which is the non-standard orientation. And these screenshots clearly depict that the screen does not automatically change to a taller view once you rotate the hardware physically, <laughs> which tells me that they didn't bother to put a gyroscope in the thing. Uh, this just went from uh, a decent low-end product that I would recommend to someone who wanted to get cheap hardware to a piece of crap that they didn't even put basic thought into. Yeah, this to note, this is what they're considering an MID, a mobile... Entertainment. Uh, entertain or, yeah. It's kind of a tablet. It's more of an entertainment device. Okay, well, it should still rotate the screen when you rotate the screen. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's just not acceptable. Um, the last one is the Compal tablet by Android. Okay. <laughs> That's... I'm done. I mean... Uh, it's got a virtualized keyboard. It's got, what is this, a 7-inch screen? Well, Android or Windows is going to have a virtual virtualized keyboard, and that's kind of like what I'm concerned about the most is the virtualized keyboard. How Am I going to be able to get my thumbs around that, like, enough? If you Let me put it to you this way. You're going to learn to type with two fingers on one hand, right? That's the first thing. Because yeah. it's going to rest on your forearm. And the second thing is... If you need to type something that's long enough that that would become a problem, you wouldn't because you're going to be using your voice. I don't know. I, I hate do. those voice things. No. not Well, but imagine if it just worked. <laughs> okay, Jobs. <laughs> uh, all right. But if think about it this way, though. 99% of the websites that you go to, you have bookmarks for. And the other 1%, okay, 50% of the websites that you go to, you have bookmarks for. And the other 50% are search phrases that you're putting into Google, right? Yeah. So, meh. Not a big yeah. deal. And for any email, you're going to dictate that. Or you can set it on your lap and type normally, and it's going to use predictive text just like your iPhone does. The only thing that sucks about that is that you never want to type N-O-E, and you often want to type now. And my iPhone doesn't seem to care about that. I just, I hope a year from now... I'm in my backyard with my slate, and I'm doing the podcast from it. Grilling? Yeah. Will you be grilling? All right, pencil that in. January, 
Hold on. I'm clicking. Sorry about the clicking sounds, guys. We're, we're clicking through the year. January analog 9th. January 9th, 2011. Barbecue. Grilling. Podcasting. <laughs> podcasting. Using our slates. Okay. So, um... It, it seems like it's a whole lot of me too for a product that hasn't even come out yet to me. Because none of this stuff is going to be... None of this stuff on its own is interesting at all. It's only interesting in um, how well it compares or competes with the Apple product, which doesn't exist. Because, look, flat PCs have been around for a while. This is not any new ground. I have one from three, four years ago that I inherited from a friend that, you know, the keyboard rotates, it folds down. <laughs> Nobody wants it. Yeah. So this is not this is not groundbreaking. Um, and like I said, we had those at the office that didn't even have keyboards. And, okay, so they've existed. You're going to have to do more than this. I don't see, I don't know, I don't see these products being interesting. And maybe that's what I should be saying about the Apple product, but I just have too much faith in uh, in their developers and designers. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We shall see. All right, so let's move on to the, I guess, last, uh, second to last topic. I do want to talk about these, both of these things, so it may be a longer podcast. Um, the Google Nexus One. Google Nexus One. What is it? It's a phone. It's a telephone. Google.com slash phone. Phone. Right. Is Which, it still on the main Google page if you go there? Uh, I'm not sure. But there's an easy way to find out. Not for me. Maybe if I'm signed <clears> out. Oh, snap, crackle, pop, classic home? Nope. Nope. Anyway, Google launched their phone, their Android phone, and it's it's pretty dang nice. Still an Android the, phone. It's still an Android phone. Compared to the Droid, the Motorola Droid, I believe the screen is a bit better. It does not have a pull-out keyboard. Um, I believe it's a little bit faster. Other than that, it's the same phone. Other than it's by Google, which so it'll probably no, that's not true. More software updates. Yes, it has more recent software, right? Yeah. And is that OS version going to become available for the Droid? I would hope that Motorola would release all versions of the Android operating system they are able to. So you think it's up to Motorola, not Google? It's up to Motorola for sure. I know that okay. for a fact. Okay, cool. So it's not a case of Google prioritizing their hardware over hardware made by third parties, because that would alienate third parties real yeah. fast. No, it's it's open as much for Google as it is for any other company. Well, I mean, I think that's my only real concern. If Google wants to sell a phone, I don't think that hurts anyone, and I think if they're putting their seal of approval on it, it's going to be a superb product, and they're not going to make themselves look bad. Their brand is something that they vehemently protect, as we know from the 63 domain name lawsuits they've filed over the last five years. <laughs> so, so, I mean, what do, you, what do you think? Does this change anything? Does this change the game in any way? Well, like I said, I mean, it's still an Android phone, and Android is still, it's the best answer for people who hate AT&T or are already on Verizon, right? But yeah. I read... I read an awesome, it may have been ours, it may have been uh, TechCrunch, I don't know, but I read an awesome um, article where the guy's basic, his whole point was, if you were recommending this to your 73-year-old Aunt Violet, 
like if you were telling her what cell phone to buy, would you be telling her to buy a droid or an iPhone? Oh, I don't know the droid, so it's yeah. hard to say, but I would probably say an iPhone. Yeah, I, I, I think the iPhone, it's still, it maybe it's only a half step, but it's still that half step, you know? Yeah. So, I think in a year it could be the same. Yeah, and I think that the droid is going to, I mean, I made that analogy, or I made that comparison about the apps where the, the droid has 16,000 and the iPhone has like 126,000, and you pointed out the, the time difference. I think the droid is going to get a lot more app developers than the iPhone has. Now, granted, it's going to be a lot more fart apps and a lot more, <laughs> you know, hand warmers and beer drinking apps, but that doesn't mean that the the quality apps aren't going to show up as well and the talented developers aren't going to go in and mod the operating system and start doing stuff like that. So um, it, it has a lot of potential as a platform and I think you're right. A year or two from now, the Droid is probably going to be the superior product unless Apple continues to release superior products, uh, you know, new revisions and stuff. And maybe we'll see more about that on the 27th or whenever it is. But um, at this at this point in time, I don't feel like them releasing this phone is going to uh, make, a, make a huge impact on the market share. We still see the iPhone, the most popular cell phone in the U.S. I think it's going to stay that way for probably another year at least, um, unless Apple really does something stupid. But with an iPhone for $99, I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, so the Nexus One is what it's 199 with a contract, and you can get contracts with Vodafone and T-Mobile right now, right? Uh, I, Vodafone's Maybe. not released yet. Spring 2010. Oh, well, when it does come out. I would assume each of the T-Mobile, Verizon, Vodafone, and anything else, I heard that every carrier will essentially have this. Right. And I Verizon, that, it will be soon, but not yet. Yeah, I think they're waiting on the CDMA set for that. Right now, if you buy the Google One phone you will get the GSM version, which will work on AT&T or T-Mobile. Yeah. The interesting thing, though, that I found, and this has been plaguing me more and more, I'll have to find you the, the graph, but essentially, if you look at the graph for the Nexus One, if I bought the Nexus One, dropped $529 on it. Oh, I signed saw up, that. Signed up for T-Mobile and got their unlimited data and voice and text messaging, Right. Over two years, I end up spending like a thousand dollars less than right. if I stayed with my iPhone on AT&T. But then you'd be a Nexus One user. <laughs> yeah, not saying that that's a compelling argument that would make me want to do to switch, but it does say a lot to AT&T's uh, cost in that it's like a third more than T-Mobile. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous, but then if you extrapolate that over, you know, 24 months, it's not that, it's, well, it's still bad, but <laughs> uh, it's not as, it's not as bad, it's still kind of stupid. You're right. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So, Game uh, Changer? No. Cool? Absolutely. If I were going to switch providers, would I get a Nexus One over a Droid? Probably. Yeah. And does Nexus everybody... One is the Android phone right now. Yeah. It's not significant in that Droid... Motorola Droid users should feel bad about their purchase. No, no, no. 
especially if they like the keyboard which nobody does but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's it's funny I was in a meeting with a guy and uh, um, on Friday and I went up met him at this conference room that we had for the meeting and we both sat down and the first thing that we talked about for five minutes was our phones because he had a droid and I was asking him how he liked it and everything he's like yeah you know I don't really use the physical keyboard it's not very good but I just installed a new uh, virtual keyboard because with the droid it hooks into the operating system so you can replace that and I was like oh that's cool that's cool. I didn't think about that you know being able to replace these certain components of the OS that you don't like yeah that's one of the cool things about it there's certain things on the iPhone that I really annoy me. Like if I get an email, I want to see it on the screen that's before I have to unlock my phone. But yeah, same. I mean, I I mean, I don't know. Right now, the apps are the win for me. So. All right. Well, yeah. So Nexus One looks like a beautiful device. I'd love to get my hands on one, but I would not. Um, I'd not pay money for it unless it got to the point where AT and T was so bad that I just had to switch. In which case, I'd be very happy, very very happy to switch to Verizon with a Nexus One. Yeah, I would agree uh, with that. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I think I dislike AT and T more as a result of reading what people have to say about it than I do just from general user experience. Well. My only thing is the money that I pay and the amount of people that I hear complain about it. Like, I was fine with T-Mobile when they dropped as many calls as my AT&T does now. Right. But I was paying a third less. And I was fine on Verizon when I paid the same amount as my AT&T or if not a little bit more. And I never dropped anything from what I can remember. Wow. See, that's nice. Because AT&T, I drop several calls a day well yeah you talk a lot more on the phone than I do but yeah. when I have in a, like recently I've been using the phone a lot more uh, especially since I found my headset <laughs> <laughs> and it's legal now <laughs> yeah and I've I've had a lot more calls drop, and that's not even in the hilly areas that I drive through this no no like, it's yeah and I'm not talking about if it's related to topography that's fine I mean they need to build more towers, but I understand if there's just not a like a cost value, you know. There yeah. three people live there and nobody else cares, you know, but uh that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking you're standing still, you're talking to someone, and then you get that boop 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 call yeah. failed thing. Ugh. And th and then you look at your phone and you have five bars. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's completely unacceptable. So, um, but but it, again, obviously it's not that unacceptable because I haven't switched. But the main reason I haven't switched is the phone. I mean, I would be looking at switching providers if I felt that an iPhone-like experience existed somewhere else. And I still don't think that the Android is there. So I blame Apple. And hopefully they'll be <laughs> resolving that on the 27th. <laughs> and then the question becomes, do you buy the new iPhone that they're releasing with slightly upgraded hardware or do you buy the Nexus One when you switch to Verizon and then buy the iPhone when your uh, phone renewal purchase period comes up? Dilemmas. But because that's the funny thing, like if I switch to Verizon, uh, say next month, and the Nexus One was available and the iPhone 4G was available, I don't know which one I would buy right now. I don't know. But just the fact that the iPhone isn't even an option on Verizon means that for me, Verizon isn't an option. Yeah. Agreed. So how's that for you? <laughs>
Okay, the last thing we want to talk about today, and um, we'll try to wrap this up quickly, but uh, there, there's this um, this new deal. <laughs> ah, the new deal. I know it well. Uh, this new deal was announced between Netflix and Warner Brothers, and this this you can file this under the heading of Netflix doesn't care about you, comma Warner Brothers hates you. <laughs> Pretty much. So the the arrangement is that Netflix is allowed the opportunity to continue to rent out Warner Brother DVDs, and they are allowed this opportunity contingent on the fact that. Um, they begin to do this 28 days after the DVDs go on sale in retail locations. So basically, if uh, if you've got Confessions of a Shopaholic and it comes out November 1st and you're a Netflix customer, you have two options. You can either go to Blockbuster, or oh, sorry, you have three options. You can either go to Blockbuster and rent it for $4.99, which is like a quarter of your Netflix subscription, or you can go to Target and buy it for sixteen ninety nine, which is like your entire Netflix subscription, or, are you ready for this? You can wait 28 days to watch it from Netflix. Or steal it. Or, or <laughs> steal it. Hidden fourth option. <laughs> um, this, this is ridiculous. And the thing that gets me is, okay, does Netflix as a company have to have this agreement with Warner Brothers in order to to rent out the DVDs at all, or do they just have to have this because it gets them better pricing on the DVDs? I think they have to have some kind of agreement. Ugh. Did you did you get that? Ugh. <laughs> it's a scenario where I feel like Netflix didn't play hardball because they did some math and they figured they probably figured out because they have, you bet, they have all this information. They probably figured out how many of their DVD rentals are Warner Brothers, how many of their early release DVD rentals that get backlogged are Warner Brothers, and they determined that it's not going to have a big enough impact on their base that they should try to make a firm stand on this, but that not having Warner Brothers at all would have a big impact on their base. And maybe they're right, and maybe this was the right business choice, but it sets a horrible, horrible precedent, not just for DVD releases to... I don't even understand. What is Warner Brothers thinking? Do they really think people are going to buy the movie because they can't get it on Netflix? I'm not. I mean, I already wait. I already wait. If I'm yeah. not going to buy the movie, and I'm going to rent it, then I can ask wait. Ask me if <laughs> Angels and Demons is in my queue yet. It's yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. Like, it'll be fine. I'll think of it six months from now, and I'll add it then. Ugh. <laughs> But what it is, is really, really insulting. And here's the thing. If I get a movie on Netflix, like The Illusionist is a great example. I watch it. I absolutely love it. I'm going to go buy it because I don't want to have to Netflix it again and again. We shouldn't be buying all of the crappy movies that Warner Brother makes. Just because Warner Brother, 15 years ago, decided to make as many crappy movies as they could doesn't mean we should have to go out and buy every single one of them. I only buy exceptional movies that I know I'm going to want to watch a couple times a year and that I'm not going to want to have to Netflix a couple times a year. That mm, that behavior is not going to be changed by Netflix taking a little longer to get movies, and I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch more movies now. I'm just going to be pissed at Warner Brothers and maybe never buy any of their movies. Yeah, and supposedly they're going to start this with every rental service, not only brick and mortar, but also online. It's just and insulting. I mean, well. I, I think the thing that really pisses me off isn't that it's an inconvenience, it's that it is so 
incredibly condescending to consumers yeah. to say, oh, well, you just we're just not going to give you the option. So if you want it early, it's a premium service. You, It's called purchasing, and that, that's the premium service is, yeah. is you get it early. Guys, I will never tell you to steal because that's breaking the law. Me telling you that is, is breaking the law. But if you really want to see a, a Warner Brothers movie and you don't want to buy it within that 28 days, hey, there are other ways to get it. I'm not going to tell you buy how. It. <laughs> other than buying it. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying it's there. It's possible. <laughs> Don't steal cuz that's wrong, but it's possible to do it and if you want to come over to my house some night, feel free. Um so the awesome thing about saying that th- th- things like that on a podcast is that now I can never download a movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So that just, uh, that kind of behavior from a company is absolutely infuriating. And it's the same kind of thing that we see print companies doing. And that's the other sort of dying industry right now. Print companies are grasping at ways to make consumers pay for product. And what they don't realize is that consumers aren't interested in their product anymore, not because consumers are stealing their product or because consumers are getting their product more conveniently, but because their product just isn't what it used to be. Either it's not as necessary as it used to be because the Internet exists, or it's not as good as it used to be because they started doing that you know, whole appealing to the lowest common denominator thing that I always talk about um, in any well, event. Go ahead. I think, that, I think the biggest thing honestly for a lot of people is the speed at which they can get it and so making people having have to go to the store instead of like going to go rent it or renting it via their Netflix or via digital download and this goes for not only movies but also for print I mean if people can get it quicker then they're going to go with however which way is the fastest and the easiest people are lazy inherently true and so if I can if I can get it easily on my television one way and get the same quality than having to go purchase it, then I'm going to do it that way. I mean, that's why I think the most ingenious thing that you can do right now is get your print, for print anyway, is to get your print things on uh, things like the Kindle so that you can have your magazine or your, your daily newspaper on the Kindle so people will still subscribe to you and get that good editorial content. And the only reason they're not now is because they would rather not wait for the paper. They would rather not have to shuffle through it. They would just want to use their the dedicated streams that they found online. Right. Well, look at, um, look at companies like Ars Technica. If you look at Ars Technica's business model, their blog, go to ArsTechnica.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, they're a blog, and they provide 90% of their content for free. And the only thing that you have to do to see 90% of their content, which is superb, it is some of the best writing, technology writing on the internet right now. The only thing you have to do is endure some advertisements. But if you want to pay them a subscription, you can do that. And you can pay them, I think it's like $35 a year to become a member of Ars Technica. You get access to that other 10%, which is great. But the, the bigger thing is you get access to more of the back end community stuff. This is a this is professional journalism. This isn't me blogging. This is professional journalism by people with degrees in journalism who are writing technology uh, pieces that are superb. And and this is the direction that magazines are going to have to take if they want to survive. And 
trying to force customers to buy your crappy product that they're no longer interested in because you can't keep up with technology is no way to do it. Ars Technica sells a premium service and they provide content that everybody craves that's ad supported and they probably make a really really nice hefty amount of money for doing that and that's the approach you have to take is yeah make it convenient for people also uh that that there's a book out called uh, i think it's called free and it's all about giving things away make it convenient for people support yourself with advertising revenue if, if you can and provide a next level of content that people are willing to pay for which means your product has to be good enough for people to want to pay for it and for years and years newspaper was only better than other newspapers newspaper doesn't know how to be better than blogs that are updated constantly and all this stuff and and i think um that's the same thing with blockbuster they don't know how to be better than whatever they are now, or uh, not Blockbuster, Warner Brothers, they don't know how to provide a better service. And I think one company that's showing that they do know how to provide a better service is, go ahead, you know who it is. Mm. It's in the same vein. Not Warner Brothers, but, comma. Oh, you were talking about it before the show. I'm terrible. I'm so sad. I have no idea. Are you playing Torchlight right now? No, I promise <laughs> I'm not. It's Disney. Oh, right, right, Keystone. Keystone, which is, a, they're, they're doing what they need to do, which is providing customers with a, a premium service, and it, it's a digital download as well, right? Yes. Or digital something. Actually, we're not totally sure how it's going to work, but yeah, uh, digital-ishness. But hey, here... Yeah, here are a bunch of reasons to pay more money for something that we're going to sell you. So yeah. people will do that. I mean, the the economy... <laughs> go ahead. In this economy... In these trying times... <laughs> uh, in these trying times, people are still spending money hand over fist. You just have to earn it now. Yeah. So do it. <laughs> Stop complaining. Stop punishing people because we don't want to buy your crap and make better crap. Wow, uh, I was yeah, full yeah. of rants tonight. You were. I should call this like the one where I rant. You ranted. Ugh. Rants. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Nah. Nor I. Can we go do our random? I did it already. Do it. You already had it. You already had him. Alright, well you're going to have to log on and heal me then or something. <laughs> so. <laughs> like 16 people on a freak. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week. If you have any comments, um, uh, please feel free to email us. It's we at uh, borkedproductions.com or we at borkedcast.com or um, borkity bork 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 dot that. That's not a real thing. Please don't go to that. <laughs> I'm not responsible for anything you see there. Uh, you can follow us at, on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash borkedcast. Follow each of us, twitter.com forward slash cdeagle and twitter.com forward slash revoked. And uh, we're pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. We crack me up. Um, and also, please feel free to give us a call and leave us a voice message at 224-BORKED0. That's 224-267-5330. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know how much you're paying for cable. 
and uh, how quickly the boxy is going to replace that for you. And we'd also love to uh, to just know just everything about you. Please leave Call long us. messages. Tell us. I mean, if you're just on the can, driving home from work, whatever it may be, put us in your speed dial. Use us as your memo service. If you think of something you don't want to forget later, like um, buy a waxing kit, just whatever. You know, it's all good. All right. Anyway, that's all we got for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we hope it wasn't too long or too funny and you didn't laugh out loud at work and embarrass yourselves. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Until then, stay nerdy. Mm-hmm.